0: To the Hack Your Mindset podcast with me, Jenny Winterleach, the Mindset Hacker. So, wherever you are today and whatever it is you're doing while you're listening to this, settle in and enjoy the ride. Good morning, everyone, on this beautiful Friday morning. Uh, we are joined this morning by the lovely Abby Dean, Abby Dean Eventing. Hi, Abby. Hi. Um, so, Abby and I, oh gosh, uh, a bit of a long standing one, hasn't it, Abby? Abby was my first sponsored rider, actually um and she's taught me as much as is to be fair as I may have helped her with I think um and uh we're gonna hear so much about Abby today she's got the most amazing stories for us incredible tales of her gorgeous horse Nemo and Blue as well um so Abby just tell us a little bit about six years ago what it was that meant that you got in touch uh, for some mindset coaching um so I
1: think I'd already been through the rough and tumble with Nemo and all the beginnings. And I'd just started out on his eventing journey and mine really. And um, I think we were having problems with dressage. At that time, being run away with on cross country wasn't my issue. It was just um, the nerves in the dressage arena and dealing with not locking down and going, And exploding during the four minutes of a dressage test, I
0: think. And I seem to remember the first time I came and saw you and Nima, you could get him out of medium trot. <laughs> medium trotted
1: everywhere. I've had medium trot down the centre line at the end of tests where judges and writers have gone like this. Um, I mean, it's awesome, medium trot. It just wasn't required at all. Um, yeah, and I just got, got stuck in medium trot everywhere and couldn't ride him forward, because couldn't make the t- he's long. he's like a double-decker bus. So you can't really ride his medium trot in a 20 by 40. I didn't really want to ride his medium trot in a 20 by 40, and the whole dressage situation was just a disaster, really. Um, so that's why I reached out to you.
0: And so tell us just really quickly what happened as a result. What what was it that we changed for you? Because obviously it's mindset coaching, isn't it? With nothing to do with skills. You've got plenty of those.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing we worked on was like, that's his trot. Like, that actually isn't his medium trot. He's huge. Um, I'm a dwarf. Um, and um, just relax into it. And I think he was fighting for his... Natural stride. I was fighting because up until then, I think all I'd ridden were—I mean—phenomenal racehorses, but all I'd ridden was piddly little racehorses. And um yeah, he's seventeen-two and seven foot three long in the back. I just felt like every time I came into a turn, I was like, whoa and legs were going everywhere. So um, we just did a lot in the menage, working on. Um, like, how do you feel in this? And, um, actually I didn't feel like I was getting run away with. It was, it was just, I needed to get that into my head that I wasn't being run away with in trot.
0: Cool. And so that helped a lot. But that was like... A tiny thing at the beginning of an unbelievable journey, wasn't it? So, maybe yeah. I think we ought to start off by giving you the chance to just spend a few minutes telling us about Nemo because he's such a special boy, isn't he? Tell us how Nemo came into your life and and where just really quickly, like where you're at now with him, the journey that you guys have had.
1: Um. So God, that's a long time ago. Um. In two thousand and twelve. Um. I was freelancing, Um, I'd just moved to Gloucester and kept driving past this field full of horses that looked, they, they weren't in a good state, shall we say, but they were big fat hairy cobs and they were surviving and at the back of these big fat hairy cobs was what looked like, you know, the black swan is quite nice, but rough and ready, really skinny. Um really weird confirmation as well. Like um yeah, he needed to grow into something. He was not wow. Um so I started feeding it. Um I know that's a big no no um but he was super skinny. He was the only one that couldn't get to hay or water. And uh Yeah, he got iller and iller over the next 10 days and I managed to contact the person who owned him who had imported him into England and basically bought him. Um, And yeah, that was the worst day of my life and the best day of my life. Um, And now he is white. Yeah, he's a two star, so yeah, that's a bit of a, it sounds really weird thinking of that memory on the 10th of October, 2012, when I bought him, which is like, oh my God, I drank more brandy on that day. I've never shook so much. I've never been sick so much. I've never thought the world was gonna implode as much as I did on that one day, Um, to sat here being like, I put a top hat and tail coat on that scraggly little black swan and um, I medium trotted down the centre line at that judge at Chatsworth like, pow, look at this horse. Um, yeah, them two memories in the same sentence of ridiculous madness.
0: We do keep saying, don't we, it's like a Disney film, isn't it? Because without going into too much detail, you nearly lost him on that first day and had to nurse him to life, really, didn't you? And so he owes you... So, well, no, he doesn't owe you anything at all, does he? But you you, rescued, you really rescued that horse to make him what he is now, didn't you?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, he's, he's collapsed on the trailer and severed off half his hoof. He's the only horse known to reproduce the coronet band outside the womb of the mare. Um His chance of survival was zero, absolutely no chance. Um, I slept in the stable with him for three months, Um, October, November, December. It was cold, (laughs) very cold. Um, And after that, his chance of survival went up, but his chance of being ridden was never. Never going to be ridden never going to be sound. He might look like a very crippled field companion, but that was better than, you know, the other option.
0: And this is what, when you told me this story, because you'd only had him a few years when we met, hadn't you? And when you told me the story, this this is the reason why I took you on, because I thought, my goodness, this girl has got tenacity. I mean, I've never met anyone like you, Abby. I've never met anyone Just so determined, no matter what. And by goodness, you've had some things thrown at you along the way. Just keep going. I mean, if you want to learn, how to keep going through adversity, then then Abby's your girl, she'll, she'll teach you how to do it. So what would you say is your mindset, Abby, that keeps you going no matter what? And I we could sit here and I could I could, off the top of my head I could name six different parts when I know that anyone else would have given up and you've kept going. Not not just with Nemo but with anything thrown at you in life and people and all sorts. So what's your what's your mindset around it do you think? Um
1: I think when I first started inventing him Um, I didn't really have um, a mindset focus because it was more like, hey, everyone, look at this horse that's here. Like, wow, I can't believe he's here. Um, And then after that, when it got serious, so it was like, he's actually quite good. Um, Then it was a bit different because it was like, okay, so in my section today, I have Mary King, Oliver Townsend, da, 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 you know, long list of people. Um, And actually, that reminds me of Camden, you know, I looked at my section list, I had got Mary King in my section list. And, you know, Mary used to compete against my mum, and she's a phenomenal rider. She's my idol. Um, And um, he actually had a double page spread in eventing life after that, because my one pound rescue horse beat Mary King. Um, but I struggled with that because he shouldn't be there. What, you know, why is he there? Um, I shouldn't be there. Like, you know, it was very, uh, yeah. I didn't want to be there. Yeah. That's the only way I can describe, I didn't feel like we deserved to be there. He wasn't a 15 grand three-year-old imported from Germany with legs up to its armpits and muscles bulging in places that you don't know they've got. Um, And I wasn't, you know, um, just throwing money at entry fees and thinking, well, you know, it doesn't matter. It it mattered. Um, It mattered a lot. And I had the little battle between whether I should be in their sections, whether he should even be eventing, or whether we just didn't do it, really. Um, and I think you played quite a big part in that. Um, but Nemo being Nemo always put two fingers up to the world and went, uh, certainly should be here.
0: And so what did you do? Because you're not like that now, are you? You're, you're back to your, by hook or by crook, I'm doing it, guys, um, attitudes. What changed for you? Well, I think
1: I only had the wobble for a couple of events Um, and then I was like, yeah, my horse is better than half of yours. And I only paid a quid for mine. (laughs) Um, That really helped a lot. Um, But I think we've, we've got a really weird relationship, me and Nemo. So um, I'm not a people person. Um, I love people. Don't get me wrong. Just stay at a distance. Don't hug me. Loving the COVID rules. Absolutely loving the COVID rules. Um, But horses are my thing. Um, Animals are my thing. So if I've got a problem, I want to share it with a pony, not a person. Um, If I want to cry, I'm going to do that at midnight in my stable, not at home with my partner. Um, And I think we just had a little chat one night and it was like, oh, mate, like, we look like knobs. You know, I'm getting you off the lorry. You look like the biggest bloody cart horse in the lorry park. I'm that loud northern lass in the corner giving, I don't know, novice a crack on this rescue pony. I mean, little bit crazy. And um, I just, from day one, he's always given me that feeling where you ask, I'll do. And we'll do it together. Um, so I think after I had a little cry with my pony, my pony told me to man up, basically.
0: Yeah, and you and Nemo have definitely got that kind of relationship, haven't you? There's no doubt that he chats to you. and <laughs> We know you chat to him.
1: Yeah, oh, I tell him everything. I'm, I'm just so glad he can't speak because, yeah, oh, there's some dire secrets, they are.
0: And so um, from that then, so you're now at Two Star with him. Yeah and what so what kind of obstacles have you overcome to get there because you've had quite a few things to keep going that would have stopped a lot of people um oh dear
1: so um he was phenomenal at 100 like i mean i've got pictures with him like two foot above the fences um show jumping's always been his issue um not anymore may i add um <coughs> And so we stepped him up to novice and we went somewhere you don't go for your first novice. We went to Nunny International (laughs) and um, he did a okay dressage. In fact, no, he did a PB dressage in his first ever novice. Um, So I came out like, wow. Yeah, okay, we needed to step up. That's exactly what we needed to do. think he only had about two or three poles in his first novice. Um, so, I, you know, happy. I, I don't know if anyone's ever been to Nunny, but the atmosphere around the show jumping is like a fire. Um, you've got trade stands all the way around, you've got a big tunnel that you have to canter in. Um, it, it definitely has the, the international wow feel um when you're there um so i was really happy because um we'd only got three show jumps at home at that point um so nemo had never jumped a course of more than three at home in training um and yeah he'd never seen he saw fillers the first time he competed because i'm brilliant for preparation um and um yeah, so to to jump round there the way he did, I was just like, wow, yeah, fair play. And um I set off cross country feeling amazing. Um he absolutely blew. Um I I just remember jumping some of them fences that you, you don't want to jump at your first novice. Um And him being like, yes, with his legs up nice and high. And I just felt like I was cruising. Um, And he's a high blower, so he makes a lot of noise um, when he's galloping. And two from home, he just went a little bit flat, is the only way I can describe it. Um, is really hilly. Um, it's a really long (coughs) it's a really long course it's really hilly Um, they have to be as fit as a fiddle to get round there and two from home he was still keen in the bridle which really confused me Um, I know why now because he won't say no to anything Um, so he's really keen into the bridle I took my leg off he was still keen into the bridle. he just stretched his neck out a little bit, which was fine. Um, I thought he was a little bit tired, but for his, his first novice round that track, I expected him to be hanging at about fence 11, to be honest. Um, and just coming into the last, um, I always... I, I just half hope to make sure their eyes are on the fence. It It's not more... It's less of a half hole and a more like, hey, hey, look what's coming. And as I went, hey, hey, he never lifted his head. Um, so we um were, we were too close to do anything about it. And upside down, we both went at the last fence at our first novice. Um, absolutely gutted. Um <clears throat> and it transpired from that that Mr. Nemo, pain in the ass, had actually uh got a really bad breathing issue. Not that he would let anyone know about that. And um he was landoscopied by because he's my precious source um the breathing specialist that that actually invented the breathing up, Jeff Lane. Um I had the specialist come over and landoscopy him. And Jeff Lane said to me, please don't turn this horse out when we leave. And I was like, what? He He's just jumped round Nunny, what are you on about? He said he'll have a heart attack. He can't breathe. So, uh, yeah, literally wasn't. Well, I was petrified um, and it. Jeff told me that if I didn't know he'd just jump around Nunny I would tell you that it wouldn't jump around a cross country course let alone that one um, so off he went down to Jeff Lane's and he had um, a, a double tie back which is usually unheard of but they the laryngeals were awful um, and they did basically that Instead of that. So he was breathing through a straw hole. Um, He had a hob day um, to make more room for air. And um, he also had his soft palate cauterized because during this, that wasn't letting enough oxygen in, his soft palate, the roof of his mouth, is all linked to the same nervous system would collapse to his tongue and cut off his airways completely, which was why he couldn't jump the last fence. Um, So he had extensive surgery um, and yeah, that was horrible. I actually didn't know whether to drop him off for the surgery or not. And I did actually pull off the motorway and go round the roundabout three times with my mum screaming at me um because I'd have much rather not have entered him than put him through the surgery if I'm honest Um looking back now I'm very glad I did.
0: And I remember we had conversations didn't we about whether you know whether he owed you anything whether you should have put him through it you know because your dream of you know badminton is your dream isn't it like so many eventers professional eventers and um you know, you probably weren't going to get there with him. So what was, you know, should you do? And it was just, it was, it was a really difficult time, wasn't it? But now, um, knowing that you overcame that and you did it, what's your, what's your thinking about it now? What, what advice would you, maybe not advice, but what's your thinking about it now? Um, I
1: think if you've got options out there, like I had, I had Jeff, um, then it At the time, what I had to look at was his quality of life. If I hadn't have gone for the surgery, was that he was going to gallop round in the field and have a heart attack. Um, So we were back to like three years previous to like your quality of life is zero. Um, So that is the only reason I stopped going round the roundabout and got back on the motorway and dropped him off at Jeff's because my mum was screaming at me, well, so what if you can't event him, but you can't turn him out and you can't keep him on box rest forever? Um, and she was right, but we I was so scared of losing him in surgery, really selfishly, not because I couldn't event him or because he couldn't be a field companion, but I was losing my my absolute best mate um, and, and my secret holder and the person that I talk to when I'm upset. And yeah,
0: it, yeah, really weird. And so after that, that was another one of those times I, I get get these phone calls from you when you go, you will never believe my horse is done. You will never believe how fast he's healed. You will never believe, he's rewritten the rule books again, guys. He He's another yeah. case study that people won't ever think happened. So having the first time you got him, You know, he grew the coronet band back, which had never been heard of. Then he had a double, double, double tie back. And then how fast he healed from that was just incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, we were told three
1: months um, to be back in full work. And um, yeah, Jeff couldn't really give me that much, you know, obviously from from the best surgeons you want to hear oh my God, horse will be completely different after this. It'd be like riding a brand new horse. Um, And Jeff couldn't really say that because there'd been extensive damage done from in him anyway. He'd got scar tissue. Um, so there wasn't really, you know, it would make a difference, but what difference, how much difference wasn't, wasn't really available to me. I wasn't, privy to that information and i don't think jeff really knew either um i don't know really um he came back from that uh i think we were back in full work on day 21 um and he had a huge double spread (laughs) article written about him in one of the uh vet life magazines because his recovery um was just unheard of to be back in full work day 21 completely healed hob day healed soft palate healed um tie back healed it back in full work um jeff came out and and saw him and landoscopied him and was like i don't know what you've done um Keep going, crack on. Um, that was that was awesome.
0: And one of the things I know that's always really really helped you overcome obstacles is the incredible team you've got around you. Because over the years I have seen you time and time again go to your team that support you in whatever expertise they've got, and ask them for whatever support they need. So with me it was you know the phone calls sometimes for the cross country going. Ah! I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I shouldn't even be feeling this way, or whatever it was, and we'd have a chat. And I know that Fotizo was a massive part of helping his healing in that time as well, wasn't it? Because they're part of the team.
1: Yeah. And I I I pride myself on my team. So although you won't admit it, you've dealt with a lot more phone calls than ah about cross-country. Um you've had to deal with ah about dressage and you know, the the sitting on the ramp before I go cross country going, oh, really? And you're like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Or all the things, money struggles even, you know, when I I put his surgery on my mother's credit card because mine was maxed, like that wasn't happening. Um, Saying, should I event? I can't afford to event him. Why am I eventing him? Um yeah, you, you've dealt with a lot more than just a couple of phone calls about cross-country or dressage. So I take my hats off to you. You've put up with a lot. Um, but Photizo played a massive part. Um, they are red light therapy. Um anything I needed to help that horse, it was there. Without a doubt, it was there. And the circle that I have around me is very special. I don't let many people into my little box. Um, and the ones I do are like you. You've been here six years. I can't get rid of you. <laughs> You're practically <It's> <laughs> <laughs> practic- part of the furniture in the lorry now. When yeah. we go um You know, Ruth um, has been with us. I think six years as well. Um, And so have the rest of them. I mean, we've built really good friendships, not, you know, forget the business side of things. I'm friends with you guys. If I've got other problems, other things that I want to talk to you about, you're all there across the board. That's, That's all of them. And I think that's the most important thing when you're budget eventing and you're inventing things that have like three legs, um, the the team around you because it's mentally draining. It is, yeah, it, it's mentally draining.
0: And I think that's the thing, isn't it? That for you, your sponsors, whether they're sponsors or your team or whoever you've got around you. Um, they're the ones that keep you going. They lift you up when you need it, they support you when you want it. and it's not it's not about having a bit of free product or writing a blog here and there, is it for you? I think when you're when you're on a real budget because you know you have been on a massively tight budget for years and years and to achieve what you have has been careful consideration, you know loads of things you've had to sacrifice and do all sorts just to get to this goal that you're so determined to get to. that actually <clears throat> um, having that team, to keep you going and help you in whatever way we can um, is more important than a bit of free kit and things, isn't it? So, when we're talking about riders, about your sponsor and your team, and you know, and being an ambassador or anything like that, what would be your kind of thoughts around that side of things? So, I know you've been in all sorts of different positions around stuff like that,
1: haven't you? Yeah, um, with my sponsors journey, I've been incredibly lucky. I have some phenomenal sponsors. Um, my biggest thing is I don't need pressure from you guys. So if you're gonna pester me over a 5.99 product that I've got to blog about three times a week, right? I've got to write posts about, I've got to do all of that. I don't want it, I, I don't want it, right? What I want is support. I want you to want to help me. I want to help you. It's a team thing. I, I don't need pressure. I've got enough pressure. I, I like pressure, but I like my own pressure. Um, I don't need someone breathing down my throat over a bit of saddle soap. You know, I don't. I just don't need it. Um, and I think when you realise your own worth, <laughs> it, and that is definitely a, a thing. You, because I see the young kids doing it all the time, like for for a 599 product they will they'll be all over the internet and that is mentally draining. If you're too busy doing that, how do you train? You just can't do it and um, I want people that want to put their products on my horse or on me and support me because. They want to be part of that journey. Um, and wherever I go, i take you guys. I always have. Wherever you guys go, you take me. And that's how a rider will go higher because they have the support, not the badgering. I mean, if you guys turn around to me and were like, oh, if you're not a two star by the end of the year, I don't see how this relationship progresses wow like you've already got the obstacles of how do you go from jumping a meter to a meter 15 and improve the dressage and improve the cross country and improve the show jumping you don't need the added pressure from a sponsor and I think sponsors like that get caught out very quick and nobody wants them
0: yeah, and it's definitely a two-way thing as well, isn't it? So, you know, my guys, my ambassadors, my sponsors, you guys, are are very much a team. Like, you know, um, we even sit there at the moment during coronavirus, don't we, and have a glass of wine or a gin together and catch yeah, up on Zoom. Yeah, I'm not even mentioning that, Abby. We're not even going down what on earth you are drinking right now. It's been a long standing thing, but you know, needs must at the moment. I'm letting it go. <laughs> but yeah. Um, um and as a, a sponsor, you know, we want our riders to want to have us in the team we want them to be coming to us for support and advice and you know not feel like we're being used for product or free stuff you know because it is that two-way thing isn't it and there's an awful lot going around at the moment about how to be a great ambassador or a great sponsor and i think it's the same for the you know it's a (laughs) two-way thing isn't it so anyway so that's really cool i love and i do love having you as part of the team it's always a laugh a minute we always have fun then then we've been through the dark times haven't we we have had some very difficult conversations about things and You know, there have been times when I've got off the phone and thought, "God, flipping heck!" You know what's what's next? Like, really, anything else?
1: Worst conversation we had was definitely in 2018, by long shot, and um, that was nearly as hard as the beginning with this horse. Um, And I don't, I actually don't know what sort of conversation we had it was in in dribs and drabs i think because i wasn't really quite with it at that point either um but yeah i think you just opened up and said i i think you just need to look at lots of different things rather than just focus on one bad thing
0: yeah and also, I mean, we've been talking about Nemo, but another fabulous horse part of your life as well, which is Blue. So tell us a little bit about how Blueby came into your life. Gorgeous. I love a grey.
1: Oh, dear. Another nightmare. Um, no, he's not. He's lovely. So I bought Blue off two Olympic team riders, you know, because why not? Yeah. Um, as well known to deck people um i love a challenge um and he had had an injury and was recovering from his injury and they didn't want to get back on him so he had he he jumped around some good tracks um but he was young he was very big um very dangly and very naughty um so i went to look at him and they wouldn't let me ride him um it took two men to hold on to the lead ropes either side of the chifney to trot him up for me and it reared and bounded down the yard and there was legs flying everywhere and i just went oh my god put it on the lorry um yeah, why? Why? What was I thinking?
0: I have to say, when you tell me about him, I I I, I often have this thought in my mind though, Abby. I often think to myself, why? Why? What and then I think, well, it's Abby. Like she must have some reason, some some thoughts some you you're a much more experienced rider than I am, uh, in any means. So you must have seen something that made you think oh, I want that. But most of us would have gone, No, put it away, thanks. What on earth possessed you, Abby? Please, lovely.
1: Um I think I was horse sick. Nemo had just ruptured his SI um, at Bicton. So he was at Hartbury on the water treadmill at that point in time in his rehab. And I I was on my way to Hartbury to go and check on Nemo because I won't leave Nemo anywhere without checking on him. Um, never. Uh, so on my way to Hartbury, I went to look at this horse and I took the lorry because I thought, meh. If it's if it's cheap and it's nice, then brilliant. And oh God, it was so pretty. Oh wow, Jesus! It had legs up to its ears. Um, it had a body like a racehorse, and oh, I just looked at it and thought, wow, you could jump the moon. Um, and he had these horrible little feet. They're about that big. Um, on these massive great big legs that went I don't know where and um this gorgeous face I mean he looks like a, a oil painting um and he's a shit bag basically um he knows he's gorgeous um and he, when he books and he does all these stunts he looks phenomenal so everybody always remembers when you fall off it um but yeah, they trotted him up and he came at me with these legs flying out and I just I didn't see all the naughty. I mean, it was been naughty. It took two big blokes to trot him up for me. And I literally dropped the ramp and was like, on you go. Um, kick the kick the crap out of my lorry all the way home. Um, got him home, put him in the stable, and that lasted I don't know, two days because I'd gone through about three tubes of settling, it box walked, it tried to jump the door, it bit me, it was vile. Um, So I turned it out in the field and left it. Um, And funnily enough, I bought him in October as well because it's an October thing. So everyone tries to lock me in the house now for the month of October um, because I'll go and buy a something crazy um yeah so I turned him out and in October and um I left it I took its shoes off and I left it until January um and he didn't think much to that he'd not had much turnout so he stood at the gate he tried to jump the gate he did jump the gate um and I just put it back and left it there um and yeah january of that year started a whole new page for that horse
0: and so where's he at now we don't need the middle bit we know you my google by crook you went through some stuff with him as well Um, and where's he at now
1: um so he will uh if covid wasn't going on um i was going to jump round two star this year with him um he's phenomenal he is at absolutely phenomenal. There was reasons behind his behaviour that we fixed. Um, and I I wasn't as big or as strong, I'm, because I'm a dwarf. Um, I wasn't as big or as strong that I could make him do his job. Um, and I don't want to make anything do its job. I want my horses to love me and I want them to go, what, you want me to jump this mum? Yeah. Um, I don't want to have to, like, bash them down a line into a jump thinking, you're going to go or else. Um, That's never been my way of riding. Um, And that's why I'm crap at producing horses to sell because I won't do it in four weeks. I can't do it in four weeks, and I don't want to do it in four weeks. I will buy them, like I bought Blue, who was to be sold as a junior's, Horse, and yeah, do you know he booked me off 32 times in a month, sometimes twice a day? I mean, and it just kept getting back on idiot, idiot, absolute idiot. Um, but it's because deep down I knew that he was really smart. I mean, the day you came to see him and I put the saddle over the door and it fly booked in the stable for 15 minutes, and you looked at me and went. Are you getting on that? Um, and the answer was, yeah, I'm just going to leave it to book. And when it's finished, it'll be fine. And you were like, what are you doing? Like, I thought you said this was a really good horse. Um, and then he came out and he was. And you were like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's quite nice.
0: Um, if I hadn't have seen him, I'd have honestly someone had done a
1: quick swap. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... That horse needed to be loved. That's all he needs. Um, and that's why um, he probably should have gone up for sale this year after jumping around two star, and he's not. Um, so, yes, my produce to sell is not for sale. Um, but if my husband is watching this live, he is um, for a little bit more than I paid for him to the right person
0: yeah (laughs) and i think that's the thing though isn't it abby you've got this amazing attitude i know you were brought up your mum with the pony club dc she's a scary lady gorgeous gorgeous lady but by word she's wouldn't say no um and you know but you've been brought up with this ethos haven't you of you've got to listen to the horse they're trying to tell you something there's probably something going on there they're not just being an ask sometimes they might be having an argument fair enough but it's for a reason and, and you do you look into that don't you? And you work out what it is that they need
1: yeah um i mean back in my pony club days the funnily enough because you had her on the other day um my mom was head of South Knox Pony Club. So the only people that would t- teach me at Pony Club because I knew mo- more than most of the instructors as a 10 year old, so they didn't want to come anywhere near me, um, was Caroline Moore. She taught me um, and I had a cracking pony um, and Caroline quite liked my pony. But we, I think from a very young age, I've been surrounded by really good people So we had Menel Watson on the yard when I was four, and um, he caught me getting on my eleven two pony with bale twine round its neck, pulled it up against the uh, chestnut fencing, and was just climbing on, Um, because I don't have a problem with that. I'd I'd much rather lay, you know, on my pony, um, and and just feel feel what's what, you know. The same with Nemo. I think I found out more about. Nemo and what he got going off laid in the stable or sunbathing in the field with him than I do riding him because under saddle he puts on his brave face and his, his war armour I think his tack is where he's like I can take on the world I'm fine and you're like no your legs hanging off and he's like absolutely don't care um, and the other horse um, is not like that he's a girt wimp um, but I learned with him, that was exactly the same. He needed me to sit in the stable with him and eat my breakfast. And, uh, you know, he'd call faces at me and get out. I don't want you in here. And I'd be like, I'm not going, I'm staying. You're not getting rid of me. Um, I think for the first year I actually had that horse, couldn't brush him. Um, because you went in, you tacked up and you did your job um because he's a machine you know and I was like you're not you're a human you are you absolutely have personality I'm gonna pull it out you any way I can I'm gonna drag it out you um and he bit me he weaved he box walked he kicked you put the you walk in with the saddle and he turn his bum on you and double barrel you like get out um so I didn't bother with the tack and I just laid with him um drank my Red Bull in the morning with him, you know, um, did the waters in the field and just sat in there and he never came anywhere near me for a year. Didn't what wasn't interested. And now he's um he's like a lap dog. Can't get rid of the damn thing.
0: Oh bless him. I kind of get why we stick with you so long as sponsors now actually to be honest, because I think the uh <laughs> I get the <laughs> <tenacity>. <laughs> I think that's what it is. No, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Tough. You're just going to get used to this. (laughs) So I just wanted really, really quickly, because a part of a chapter of your story that was just incredible, and we just got a few minutes to cover it, um, was your charity race. Because that came up on our timeline a little while ago, wasn't it? Because that was this time a few years ago, wasn't it? So you did the Bob Champion, Wilbury Wonder Pony, um the first one of the um amateur races that they did didn't it How, that was incredible so tell us a little bit about that um so
1: that was for hannah francis um and we'd all got our wilbury wonder ponies and we were all doing our bit anyway i know you were um with flying changers and i certainly was with my <coughs> 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 nemo berry um And the opportunity came up to apply for it. And I mean, there was Mark Todd and Ben Hobday and Tina Cook and Abby Dean um, all in this race. Uh, So I thought, oh, yeah, I'll I'll apply. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They say no. They bloody said yes. Jesus. Um, And I had worked in racing, quite successfully worked in racing um, for. Uh, well I worked for Henry Cecil who's the best flat trainer ever to walk this planet um, which many people will tell you um, but god I'd, I'd not sat on a thoroughbred for years um, and oh I don't know I don't know what came over me I really don't but for whatever reason I thought it was a good idea and um I think when I got the confirmation email I rang you and was like all right Jen guess what I'm doing a flat race at Cheltenham and you were like what what like where did this come from we're working on your dressage what I mean totally different ends of the scale what are you doing woman um and then I explained what it was for and you were like wow gotta be there um (coughs) so I got in touch with Graham McPherson, who is a national hunt trainer. And um, he sorted me out with a really good horse. And I was like, yes, I am gonna win this. And Midway through the training and the running up to that, it got injured. So I went from a really good chance of doing very, very well to being given my backup horse, which was, an old hag, basically. Um, Good old Harry Hunt. He was a three and a half miler. My race was over a mile five. Um, So straight away, my chances were. And he was a national hunt horse. So he did three and a half miles over fences. There was no fences. Um, And here this is, I think his last two runs, he pulled himself up. Not interested. <laughs> and I said to Graham, really, this. And he was like, Well, you're a bit like his last chance. And I thought, this reminds me of something. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so I went and I then decided that I was going to ride Harry every single day because I wanted to know him. I wanted to know what made him tick. Um so in between the event horses and work and everything else, children, the whole lot. I then went and rode out at Graham McPherson's at Stowe and the World every single day. And um, I remember being at Cheltenham and Graham saying to me, whatever you do, don't hit him because he'll just pull himself up. He'll, he's not interested. He said, you'll probably come round the corner to come up the home straight in last and ju- just sit there because there's nothing you can do. And I thought, no, I can't do that. How do I come round the corner and sit there and do nothing? I just, it's not in me. It's not in me. I have to fight back. I can't be last. I can't be last. And no, I've sat there and done nothing anyway. Um, And Jenny was there. She was the rowdiest person in the crowd. Don't let her have you fooled. Um, And I have the video evidence before she denies this. Um, And I jumped off and Graeme was right. I jumped off about three from last. And um, as we went round the back of the race course, um, I think I went back to last. And um, he felt really good. And he'd, he'd always been ridden by men. They'd never thought to change his jockey. Um, And I said, come on, Harry. And um, he did. He he picked up nicely for me. So I I rejoined the pack, should we say. And um, as we came round the home turn to come up the famous Cheltenham Hill, I said, come on, Harry, let's go. And he said, oh, we've got another lap. I said, no, 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 <laughs> now, um, and he absolutely pissed up the home straight for me. I mean, this old crippled nag, he, no, no, he flew, and um, to ra- to finish fourth, up Cheltenham home straight on the oldest horse in the race that was, I mean, I think he was, he was vetted last by the bookies to finish last, Um, (coughs) came fourth. And I remember riding into the winner's enclosure at Cheltenham Racecourse. And um, wow, that was, I mean, it was a, it's a bucket thing, isn't it? You know, the bucket list things that people have, I don't have them. and I thought about it afterwards and I thought if I had a bucket list, that would have been on it, but oh, I've done it now
0: anyway. So. Yeah. And you had some incredible feedback as a result of that as well, didn't you about.
1: Yeah. I, uh, Harry's owners. I don't think I've ever been squeezed as tight as I was squeezed that day. I think I thought she was going to pop my head off. I was already practically needing an oxygen tent after coming up Cheltenham home straight anyway. Um, And um, they decided he was going to retire after the charity race and they decided that he wasn't going to retire after the charity race. And they had a bit of a mix up with his jockeys and he came out and he won his next race under rules over the fences. And he retired gracefully to the lovely Steph who led me up at Cheltenham. And she is now doing... uh, ROR riding racehorse to riding horse or and um yeah so me and Steph share some good memories um and I do still get updates on how he is which is quite nice but it was he'd lost his love of racing and um I just wanted to win but you don't win by beating them up there um you just needed a bit of TLC you know a woman's touch
0: and I love that. And it's clearly a, a theme that's come through every story you've told us today about all your different horses and the different things you've done. And I'm sure there are many, many more and we could talk for hours, but we can't. Um, every, the overarching theme with you is have the determination to overcome things and think about the bigger picture when, you, when you've when you got, you know, something to think about. But at the same time, you've got to really think about animal and, and that they're a live being and, and what is it that they need? And so often it sounds to me like what they need is someone just to listen. Um, even if you make them
1: Um, Um, sometimes riders have got to shut up and listen as well um, because after 2018 when I went blind in my left eye um, I could not ride a 10 metre circle left back to the track and I kept trying to make it happen um, and make the turns and actually how it happened is because I shut my eyes and let my horse do it um, so if you're struggling with something, actually get the horse to do it for you rather than you try and make it happen. Um, I, and both of my horses, even my naughty grey who hated me, um, will will ride all my half 10 metre circles for me. I, I don't look where I'm going because I can't see, so there's no point. Um, and they all do it for, them, for me. And they've all got self-preservation, so they never put themselves in, in harm's way. So sometimes I think... Just ask for a little bit of help, because they're not going to kill themselves to get one over on you.
0: I love that, and and again, and it's that thought again, isn't it, of that trust that you build with your horse is going to outlast anything else that you do, isn't it? Hundred percent, yeah. Cool. So, is there anything else, Abby, that you wanted to ask or tell us about while well, you've got the opportunity? We've so much today, haven't we? Yeah. Um.
1: Just because of the confidence things that you do, I would like to touch on that fall in two thousand and eighteen, but um I don't wanna to go too deep into the uh yeah, the the drama. Okay.
0: Yeah, so tell us a little bit of that. We've got a few minutes left. So just tell us a little bit because it is a part of your story. It's just we have to be a bit careful with it because some people could say it's sensationalising or, you know, being stupid or whatever, but it's not, is it? It's you, yet again, overcoming another obstacle. And it really does touch on the
1: mindset. It does. um, Because I think it was actually a little bit of, of my mindset and things that, one, made it happen, but two, has made me a better rider for it. So, don't know why took Nemo back to Nunny, ended up having a rotational at fence 11. Um, And he was meant to be in the intermediate that day. And I'd only dropped him down to do the novice because Blue was doing the novice. Um, And he overreached and he stood on his own front foot at a downward canter to another fence. And we ended up in a pile. I got airlifted. Um, yeah, pretty sc- scary stuff. But as I was galloping round to that fence, I think I got to fence nine, huge steeplechase fence, and we just flew. The strides had been perfect. He was giving fences air. And as I, as I jumped the combination at 10, um. And I landed and I cruised. I thought, knew this horse should have been in the intermediate, absolutely flying. And I don't know whether that changed my posture, whether I said to the horse, nah, this is easy or or what. But the next combination at fence 11, um, I was still riding, I was still doing everything right. He was still galloping, he was still doing everything right. Um, he, he just overreached, and it was just one of those things. Um and anyway, airlifted, I had a fractured skull, bleed on the brain, eye socket, nose, that oh, looked a picture. Um, and unfortunately, shortly after that, Nemo broke his leg. Um So, during my recovery, I couldn't ride my trusty chestnut. I had to get on my horrible grey that books me off all the time, which wasn't ideal. And um, for people struggling with confidence, I got on that horse. I put my foot in my stirrup, got on. And you'll all have your own little thing that you do when you get on subconsciously. I'm aware of this because of Jenny, Um, that you do when you get on and you don't know you do it until you can't do it again. So I got on and I put my feet in my stirrups, and the first thing I do is check my knees to make sure I'm square. And I looked down and I couldn't see my left knee, couldn't see the left side of the saddle, left horse's shoulder, nothing and i went oh no oh oh and i got that sudden urge of panic where you've got to get off because it's like you're on a sinking ship like whoa, no 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 that's not nice um and i was told to go for a hack and don't come back until you have gathered your stuff together by mummy bear yeah it was a bit more forceful than that but it it yeah, so I just went off for a hack and um by the time I came back I was fine. And over the I, I was fine hacking in walk, let me just say. And over the period of the next month, um I could jump right. I could jump and turn right and jump and, and that was fine. We couldn't jump left. Um and that's a big problem. <laughs> because not all your courses are right-handed, unfortunately. Um, And that was probably the hardest month of my life Um, because I'd jump and I'd have to turn left. and I couldn't see the jump that I was turning to, which creates a problem because I can't get there. And a rider's job is to get there. The horse does the jumping, but I couldn't get there. Um, so I had to figure out how to do that. So for the next month, all I did was jump left. I never jumped right. I jumped left. Um, I refused to jump grids because they were the scariest thing in the world. Because the only way I can describe it to you is five strides away from a fence. I can see the whole fence. And with every stride there on the horse takes, I lose proportions of the fence. And by the time I get there, I can see everything to the right of me. I can't see what's in front of me pony. Um, so I don't, I didn't jump grids because I could see the one at the end, but my horse was jumping. So I was like, oh, no, no, no. um and i oh god i sat and cried my eyes out in the menage and i would just get off and cry and then i would give myself a bit of a pep talk about well what are you gonna do sell them who'd buy them who wants that gray that bucks who wants a horse with a broken leg half a foot no throat you know who who wants them i can't bloody give them away um so i'd get back on and um kept trying and um, I remember booking in for Aston to uh, go and do the novice idiot um, because I was so determined that after everything that would have gone on I am not going back to 100 or 90 and starting all over again I pride myself that my riding comes from fields so, if I want to put my word, you know, what is it? Um, you know, actions speak louder than words or whatever yeah, it put is.
0: Put your money where your mouth is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Then I've got to suck it up and ride from feel, haven't I? Because I couldn't bloody well see anymore. Um, so, I booked him in for a novice. And then I looked at the uh, dressage test and thought, balls. Because I got to leg yield out on the right rein, which meant turning back on the left rein. And I can't see the boards. So I had to, oh, we put poles down. The amount of times I've gone through the poles. I just could not stay inside of the boards. And I thought, I'm going to get eliminated in the dressage. A hundred quid to go and get eliminated in the damn dressage and um I was quite uh, about it I was so angry with myself I felt like I was letting my horses down um and that you know it I just that was it you know it was make or break so you know everyone always says you know oh Abby she's made of tougher stuff but actually was I was was I am I um so i cried a lot in the menage through a lot of tantrums um and my training sessions in the menage would consist of about three hours and that was usually an hour on the horse an hour sat on the floor crying uh 15 minutes on the horse an hour sat on the floor crying um and then my mum came down to help me and she said, Why are you trying to force this turn? Because you don't even know what that turn is. You can't see it. And I said, Why well, no? But I know it's there, you know, like, oh, turn. And the horse is like, Oh, what? You oh, what are you doing? So she said, Leg yield out to a center line. And as soon as you hit the center line, put the aids on for a half circle and shut your eyes. And I thought, yeah, I tell you what, anyone that has shut their eyes on this grey, I'll give you 200 quid. Huh? Yeah. Um, and Mum saying, oh, I'll shut up. That's all you've got. So just get on with it. Mm-mm. One of them. Um, and I sucked it up and I leg yordered out and I thought, I'll show you because this is going to go so wrong and I leg yielded out, and I shut my eyes, and I put my inside leg on, and I did the most beautiful half circle back to the track. Nowhere near the poles, because I was allowing the horse to see the poles for himself. And um, that was that. So we took him to Aston. Didn't get eliminated in the dressage. Um, the judge must have thought there was something very wrong with me, because I think I did half my test with my left eye completely shut um flew around the show jumping and the best thing was was walking the cross country at Aston and um, there were some fence judges that were there at Nunny, where I'd had my fall and fence judges and eventers are very good friends um that always look after you fence judges because when shit hits the fan they're the first people to you yeah So if they like you, that's a bonus. Um, Yeah, nobody was kicking me in the head whilst I was down because they like me, um, which really helped. Um, And I walked the cross country and not one of them, and this is the eventing community for you, not one of them said a negative thing. They were all like, yes, Abby, so good to see you back. And I was like, yeah. Oh. Um, and I tried to do the uh, you know the northern exterior like yeah I'm gonna be grand uh, and inside I was thinking shit because there's so many skinnies on the course at Aston so if they're you know four foot wide I can only see two foot of it so i got to be pretty precise on my execution and I jumped out the start box and um got a great big cheer from the starter who started me several times at Aston and I was very happy about that and as I started going round, my confidence I could feel it like a tube inside me growing and growing and growing and growing Um, and as I got to the skinnies my favourite fence judge uh, Jack and Barbara were on there and as I came round, they were whoop whoop whooping at me which was all I needed for my concentration not um, and my mum was stood there so I had that look of I need to get it right because mum's watching and the fence judges who couldn't give a monkeys if I got it wrong they were just so glad to have me back and um, when I heard that, that where people want they just wanted it to work for me because of what the last few months had been like god i sailed around and you know it might have only been a novice but that was the most beautifully ridden clear cross-country i think i'd ever done because i had to be so precise with my lines and i enjoyed it so after that i thought i'm not going to do another novice and i booked nemo in for a two-star at chatsworth and um, yeah so we recovered from a broken leg and off we went to Chatsworth
0: and the rest is history as they say literally yeah so if we weren't in Corona right now what would you be doing with the two boys this season
1: um, Nemo would be uh, at two stars so I I'm not even going to entertain another novice with him Um <coughs> I just want to have a, have a stick at two-star and, and see what happens. Um, Blue um, is two-star. I was hoping to be at three-star with him by the end of the year, if I'm honest. Um, and with Nemo, there's no rush. Uh, he will be where he decides to be. We will go where we end up. Um and I don't make a plan for that horse because if I do, we'll destroy it. Um, so we kind of wing it by the seat of our pants, I'm afraid.
0: Yeah, just Nemo doesn't owe you anything now, does it? And we've had so many conversations about is this the end, is he going to retire, do we carry on and things like that, that actually now it's just because, you know, I'm going to enjoy Nemo, really. Well, yeah, I mean, and I did a really silly thing. I went out and played at
1: Dressage not that long ago as well. And um, this... Scruffy eventer that cost me a quid went out, money's first medium. So, um, you know, uh, if he can't event anymore, then we'll do dressage or I don't know, play who wants to be a millionaire with show jumping poles or something. You know, I, we'll do whatever. He owes me nothing. He'll die here with me. He's never going anywhere. Um, but the grey, that owes me a lot. That better bloody well jump round three star when this covid's over i'm telling you um no he doesn't but um my badminton dream for nemo is is it is a dream but it won't be that horse
0: i think yeah and we discussed also a long time ago didn't we when we talked about your your dream being badminton and of course it would have been amazing been Nemo, and we always joke that we'd make a film out of it if it was because of the story and what you've been through and what you've been through, incredible. It's like Disney couldn't write it, you know. But he at the end
1: of the day, one day uh, he will get to badminton one day because he's the lorry companion as well. What people don't know about him is he travels the wheels off my lorry because he's the calmest, most sensiblest, most well behaved. Just he is the perfect horse. So everything that's a little shit gets ex- escorted everywhere by this massive rescue horse and um, so if Blue gets to badminton Nemo will be there anyway and um, so I said it was going to happen it will happen he just might not be jumping
0: around and that's the same with goals isn't it is that actually sometimes they need to be a little bit vague because that's the most important part about them but so your badminton dreams are still there and whether it be Blue that gets you there or whether there be something else that comes along your, your dream is still there and by hook or by crook that will happen there's no doubt is there yeah cool Thank you so much, Abby. I've absolutely loved hearing more of your stories and catching up with you. And um, everyone said, wow, Nemo sounds incredible. He must be, his attitude must be insane. Um, They love being part of the team and and that your cheer team is so important. So thank you so much, Abby, for everything. Um, We're going to cut off for now. As always, um, we've gone over. I thought we might do so. We haven't done too bad. It was only two minutes than no I planned so that's not bad at all considering some of the length of some of our conversations so thanks so much Abby and um if anyone wants to ask you any questions how can I get hold of you
1: um oh god um Dean Eventing on Facebook um or Dean Eventing website you you can pop me a private email on there um or my personal Facebook, which is just Abby Dean, but yeah, drop me a message if you're struggling with any of the things that I have struggled with. I am that rider that you can come to, and I will always be that rider that you can come to. And if I can help you, I will.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I know certainly you've um, you've done my camps and things with people, and I wasn't quite sure how it was going to work at first, because I know you're very straight talking. And I did say, oh gosh, I hope she's not going to scare them all, but I can tell you, you are one of the favorite instructors from that. And I know you've kept in touch with loads of people and some of them are on the live now watching too. And it's just been incredible to see you help them with their confidence massively, because even though you've done what you've done and you've been where you have and you've got the background you have, you still can understand people and confidence and, and just do incredible things together. So thank you so much, Abby. You can get in touch if got any questions for her. We cannot wait to wheel her back out again, hopefully for August camp. Fingers crossed it's gonna go ahead. Um but yeah, so we will see you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks, bye. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you want to listen to more of them, then please do follow us in Apple, in Google, and on Podbean. Hack Your Mindset with Jenny is the name of this podcast, so please do subscribe, follow us, and we look forward to you listening into our next one. Bye everyone.